From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Cracklin' Jane, there seems to be a mob forming outside of Kingsley Research Labs. I want you to get to the bottom of it. Looks like an old codger convention out there. Okay, boss. I'll make it my top priority. This is Roven reporter Cracklin' Jane, hovering outside the high-security barbed wire electrified fence of the Kingsley Research and Development Division. An internal source has leaked to the press that Kingsley R&D has successfully prototyped a fountain of youth, and a geriatric rabble is slowly hobbling up, and they seem to be searching for any kind of rift or, or gap in the perimeter that would allow them to avail themselves of this new discovery. And we'll be speaking to a few of these superannuated seniors this hour about their quest to recover lost youth. Let's hear what Texas Jim Robertson relates about when he was young and handsome. He's assisted here by the 1948 Panhandle Punchers. When I was young and handsome and only 17, I wore my heart upon my sleeve and picked my peaches green. I wore my heart upon my sleeve and picked my peaches green. When I was young and handsome and only 17. When I was young and handsome and only 21. I courted every gal in town and lost my heart to none. I courted every gal in town and lost my heart to none. When I was young and handsome and only 21. When I was young and handsome and only 32. I had two redheads on a string for every blonde I knew. I had two redheads on a string for every blonde I knew. When I was young and handsome and only 32. When I was young and handsome and only 53. The woods were full of sugar plums and I shook every tree. The woods were full of sugar plums and I shook every tree. When I was young and handsome and only 53. When I was young and handsome and only 64. The gal who wasn't on my neck was a knocking on my door. Oh, the gal who wasn't on my neck was a knocking on my door. When I was young and handsome and only 64. When I was young and handsome and only 75. You should have seen those honeybees a-buzzing around my hive. You should have seen those honeybees a-buzzing around my hive. When I was young and handsome and only 75. I met most all my lady friends around St. Peter's Gate. I 
I met most all my lady friends around St. Peter's Gate When I was young and handsome and only 98 And now my tale is over, of this I'm positive To get a goodly slice of life, I guess you gotta give To get a goodly slice of life, I guess you gotta give And you'll stay young and handsome, yes you'll stay young and handsome Oh you'll stay young and handsome if that's the way you live We just heard about when Texas Jim Robertson was young and handsome in 1948 And welcome back to the periphery of the Kingsley Research and Development Division Where the rumor is they've they've developed an honest-to-golly working fountain of youth We're surrounded by determined, doddering doyens looking to turn back the clock. Um, excuse me, sir, if I can speak to you. I'm from WSHDLP Uh, Move aside, muckraker. Me and my saws all here is gonna bust in if it's it's the last thing I do. Um, okay. Uh, An impromptu orchestra has assembled to cheer the old folks on. Here is the 1930 Orquesta Venezuela in Sueños de Juventud. Dreams of Youth. Thank you. 
That was the 1938 Russian Imperial Singers with Vanished Youth. Before them, we experienced Dreams of Youth and Sueños de Juventud, offered by the 1930 Orquesta Venezuela. Two wistful works about bygone strapping and hearty youthfulness. A festive crowd has gathered outside the Kingsley Research and Development Center, where hearsay has it that their new fountain of youth is operational. And the senior set wants in. Young man, I, I can't help but notice that you're digging a giant hole. Uh, my, my old aunt here wants to splash around in the fountain of youth, and she figures if she had me tunnel in, we could avoid the electrified fence and barbed wire keeping people out. Stop gabbing and keep digging. I can't wait to go back to being a real looker. Just like 60 years ago. Thank you, folks. And Harry Lauder will now weigh in about his lost youth when he was 21. Aye, and well soaked to keep it in its place. 
<laughs> I tell you, boys, <laughs> oh, when I was 21, when I was 21, I never had lots of money, but I'd always lots of fun. Oh, I was a harem scarum, and my court days begun on the very, very, very next when I was 21. Oh, when I was 21, when I was 21. I never had lots of money, but I'd always lots of fun. Oh, I was a harem scarum, and my court days begun on the very, very, very next when I was 1919 Harry Lauder relate what a stallion he was at 21 and uh, speaking of salad days Alfred JC and his 1941 Chico's gave us a conga salad we're broadcasting this hour from the Kingsley Research Labs which has made a breakthrough in the development of a fountain of youth security here is tight 
The 11-foot electrified fences are topped with barbed wire, and I hear snarling ferocious dogs inside, and a mob has gathered. Old folks who are hell-bent on regaining their youth. They want in. And holy smokes! A, a, a little old lady has knocked over a security guard with her walker, and, and the crowd is pouring through the breached gates. They're heading straight to building 3L, containing the prototype of the Fountain of Youth. We're going to hand it over to Dan Quinn, who will report from the 1915 Fountain of Youth. In bed the other night, before I dimmed my light, I started reading history, I came upon a mystery about a fountain rest. No one was ever there, a place where you could get back youth. Explorers look for it most everywhere. I fell asleep and dreamed that I was there. At the fountain of youth, at the fountain of youth. I saw thin old ladies turn right into babies, old ginks, with kings started to drink. Got gay when they started to drink. At the fountain of youth, at the fountain of youth. You ought to see what I saw there. One old maid by the name of Kitty dived right in and came out so pretty a fellow named brush was nearly killed in the rush down at the fountain of youth suppose the things i dreamed were really what they seemed there'd be no coffin makers goodbye to undertakers and chorus girls who wed all millionaires instead would wed a wealthy, healthy youth. To the poor old ladies home the boys would troop. Because it looked just like a chicken coop. At the fountain of youth, at the fountain of youth. I saw old rheumatics doing acrobatics, even saw old Rockerville there. He was busy combing his hair at the fountain of youth. I am telling the truth, that wasn't all that I saw there. Father Time got so blame disgusted. His hourglass, he got mad and busted. The poor married men, they were all single again. Down at the fountain of youth, at the fountain of youth, at the fountain of youth. I saw thin old ladies turn right into babies, rip Van Winkle, lay down and snore. A Packard car turned into a Ford at the fountain of youth, at the fountain of youth. That wasn't all that I saw there. One old guy who was almost dying took one drink and he started flying. Mother McCree looked like a chicken to me down at the fountain of youth. In history they sail the sea. 
Quinn reported on the 1915 Fountain of Youth. And then Billy Keith pointed out that the 1952 Fountain of Youth is love. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Robin reporter Cracklin' Jane at the Kingsley Research Labs. Old codgers have gotten wind of the new Fountain of Youth under development, and they've stormed the compound, breaking in, and you can, you can hear the splashing around the fountain. And we're seeing the first... Hey, hey, you, ma'am. Yippee! I'm young again. And, sir, I seem to recall you were bald when you went in and and uh, kind of stooped over. Put on some muscle. Out of my way, squirt. I'm going to go raise heck. And speaking of flaming youth, here is Duke Ellington with the 1934 composition of that name.
young and healthy and you've got charm it would really be a sin not to have you in my arms i'm young and healthy and so are you when the moon is in the sky tell me what am i to do if i could hate you i'd keep away but that ain't my nature i'm full of vitamin a say i'm young and healthy so let's be bold in a year or two or three maybe we will be too Young and Healthy. We just heard Dick Robertson with Ed Lloyd and his 1933 orchestra. Before them, Duke Ellington and his 1934 orchestra performed Flaming Youth. The research labs here at Kingsley R&D have been breached by a determined mob of geriatric goons, each wanting to take a dip in the fountain of youth under development. And newly rejuvenated folks have been emerging looking like their younger selves. For instance, looky here. The Kingsley Fountain of Youth has turned this gal back into a young mother holding a little bundle of joy. Mother, mother, this is my husband. I, I told him to get out of the fountain before it was too late. And now he's a little baby again. Well, how about you, sir? You're looking much younger. No, I don't want to talk about it. I forgot I had severe acne in my youth. Now I'm going to look like a pizza face again. It'll be years before my face clears up. Yes, I guess there are some things you usually only worry about when you're young. As the Danish Ingeborg Brahms will tell us in this 1943 Norman Kunjar Thank you. 
Petit Tamango, pour comme le vol costaud, als in New York Spende, wie will heiß ding. Und am du vaio mit zum Newsmolen zählt, mag mir die gamle Stock und Molen
1926 Band of the Coldstream Guards played Youth and Vigor. They were preceded by the Danish actress Ingeborg Brahms, who gave us the 1943 Norman Kuhn Arung, Only When One Is Young. Well, a week has elapsed since the breach of the Kingsley Research Labs. An unruly mob of incorrigible codgers forced their way in to avail themselves of the new fountain of youth. And hello, it looks like the mob is back. Only now it's a young mob. Sir, what brings you back to the Kingsley lab? Well, sir, I might have had heart trouble and walked with a cane and, and struggled to shave myself and had to take blood thinners and five other drugs. But now that I'm back in my 20s, I owe money to everybody. I forgot about these four screaming kids. Every decision I make seems to be the wrong one, and I can't get anyone to hire me. No one will give a loan to buy a house. And I'm back to chain smoking. I forgot what it was like to obsess all the time about what other people think about me. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, we were hoping the Kingsley scientists can find a way to reverse the fountain of youth, so we're back to having enough money and, and being just as homely as our friends and not always getting into hot-headed fights. While this delegation of discontented youth petitions for help, we have Terry Shand with the 1934 Dorsey Brothers Orchestra. Blame it on my youth. Expected love when first we kiss, blame it on my youth. If only just for you I did exist, blame it on my youth. I believed in everything like a child of three. You meant more than anything, all the world. on my mind all night and day blame it on my youth if I forgot to eat and sleep and pray blame it on my youth if I cried a little bit when first I learned the truth don't blame it on my heart 
Bessie Smith with Young Woman's Blues from 1927, before which we heard the 1934 Blame It on My Youth, featuring Terry Shand with the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra. Yes, it's not easy being young. The old folks who splashed around in the new Kingsley Fountain of Youth are begging to go back to being respected elders. Kingsley engineers and scientists are working around the clock to find a solution. And hold on, hear ye, hear ye. Kingsley R&D is pleased to announce the unveiling of the whirlwind of wisdom. (laughs) 
which will restore the assets and societal stature of those previously rejuvenated by the fountain of youth. Now, no pushing, you impatient whippersnappers. This is indeed good news. While we wait for the whirlwind of wisdom to restore everyone's elder statesmanship, the 1937 ink spots will remind us, don't let old age creep up on you. Yes, yes. Don't let old age creep up on you. You're getting older each day. Time and tide waits for nobody. Your future's passing away. Save all your dimes and your dollars. Let every dime have some sense. Don't spend it all for your pleasure. Soon find yourself on the fence. Always think twice before you speak. You can't save each word. Make up your mind before you speak. And you will find yourself as free as a bird. Be a bit older tomorrow. Leave nothing undone for today. Don't let old age creep upon you. Your future's passing away. Yeah, don't let old age creep upon you, baby. You get no each day. Time and tide waits for nobody. Future's passing away. Yeah, save all your dimes and your nickels. You know you got to pay your rent, your dog. Don't spend it for your pleasure. Find big feet in a tent, yeah. Make up your mind before you speak. You can't save each word. Oh, baby, don't you shriek. You soon find yourself as free as a bird. Be a bit older tomorrow. Satchel, leave nothing undone for today. Don't let a rage creep on you, babe. You just passing away, yeah. Let's get out of here. You'll be a bit older tomorrow. Leave nothing undone for today. Don't let old age creep upon you. Why?
baby, I would if I could, but hot spring water won't do you no good. And I feel that old lady's coming on. I've been with my baby a long, long time. Everything she got is hers and also mine. I said, let's get married this very day. She said, who's going to give the bride and groom away? And I feel that old lady's coming on. That was Wynoni Harris in 1948. I feel that old age coming on. Before that, the Ink Spots gave a stern 1937 warning. Don't let old age creep up on you. Yes, people are re-emerging from the Kingsley compound, back with their old canes and walkers, toupees and ear horns. Sir, have you reversed the effects of the Fountain of Youth? I'll tell you, that was more like a Fountain of Folly. I'll take being an old-timer any day. What a relief to be old again. By Jiminy. And all's well that ends well. We have time for one more encomium to old ageitude before returning to the WSHDLP Eastport Studios. Here is Saul K. Bright and his Holly Wyans from 1934 with the old-timer, Kamaina. <laughs>
the top of the room, the maiden seemed to dance and groom to a native tune. I'm just a mother in the holiday boy, and it thrills me through and through. I'd love to chant, like Tom Calhoun, the maidens had to move and sway, but one name way, cause I want to do what the natives do, so I can be a goma I not do. Aloha mai, they all say to me, hey goma mai, they're inviting me. Saul K. Bright and his 1934 Holly Wyans can't Wait to become old timers, aka Kamaina. Yes, the Kingsley Research Laboratory was not able to keep their new prototype, Fountain of Youth, under wraps. They were mobbed by a lame and frail rabble who busted in and proceeded to splash around willy nilly right in the fountain itself. People found their gray hair turned back to black, their beer guts gone, and their creaky joints once again supple. But they also found that they had lost all the hard-earned wisdom and monetary assets they had built up over the years. They got into hot-headed fights and obsessed about what everyone else thought about them, not to mention finding themselves coated with acne. Fortunately, the whirlwind of wisdom put everyone back to square one. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. And don't forget to bust in on us at cracklinjane.com. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. As the old geezers settle back into a comfortable codgerhood, let's treat them to a gripping radio drama about reversing the aging process. We hear next a 1938 episode of The Shadow called Fountain of Death. So let's listen. Shadow has one great defense against the perils encountered in tracking down criminals, his ability to become invisible. And we'll hear how he puts this ability to use in just a moment. The Shadow, Lamont Cranston, a man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Cranston is known to criminals as the Shadow. Never seen, only heard, his true identity is known only to his friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane. Today's story, Fountain of Death.
right, Margot. Lamont, what's this all about? Well, Margot, I'll tell you. We're on our way to prevent a murder. Murder? Who's murder? That's just it. I don't know. Lamont Cranston, what are you talking about? Twenty minutes ago, I got a letter telling me that a murder was about to be committed. The note was signed, Dr. Anna Marler. Anna Marler? Who's that? Dr. Marler is one of the greatest research workers in medicine this world has ever known. The last time I met her was in Europe. And if ever there was a woman with a love of mankind in her soul, it's Anna Marler. It was very good of you to come here, Mr. Cranston, and you too, Miss Lane. We're very glad to come, Dr. Marler. But your letter said murder, Dr. Marler. No, no, please, my friend. There's so little time left. You must listen to me. All right. I sent for you because you alone have the strength and the courage to stand by me. Anything you want, Dr. Marler. You have not asked why I am in America. I will tell you. It is because there are powers in Europe putting Cody in terms of force and hate who would stop my experiment. Oh, Mr. Cranston, will you help me, protect me while I work? That's why Miss Lane and I are here. In my letter, I said that a murder was to be committed tonight. As the woman who is to be murdered is here in the very next room. Well, then let's go in. No, no, don't get excited. It is murder true enough, but old age is the murderer. The woman is 95 years old. 95 years old? Yeah. I'm afraid I don't understand. What can I do? You can help me perform a miracle. Did you say miracle? If you and Miss Lane will come this way. Go ahead, Margot. Yes, Margot. Ah, you see, she is dying. It is so pitiful. She is breathing her last. Yes. Come, we will go close to her. Mrs. Cronin, try to open your eyes. It is I, your friend, Dr. Marler. Dr. Marley? No, it is I. Here is my hand. Oh, Dr. Marley. I know I'm old and my time has come, but I do not want to die. Not yet. No, no, you must not. No, no, you you must listen to me. I I tell you, I, I don't want to die. You must help me. Yeah, my friend, I will help you. You are so weak. You must not speak again. You must lie quietly while I get my instrument. Oh, come, Mr. Cranston, Miss Lane, in this side room. Yes, Doctor. You will help me. You will help me. Well, you saw the woman. You saw she is dying. Yes, of course. Dr. Marla. What can you possibly do for her? That is what I wanted you to hear and see. For many years I have worked in the laboratory in an attempt to discover the true nature of age. And while experimenting with many generations of white mice, I've made a strange discovery. A discovery which, oh, which goes beyond all understanding. Oh, yeah. I must act quickly or she will be done. While working on the little creatures, I discovered that when any organism has lived its full span of years, the cells within the body become aged, worn. Now I have discovered that by injecting an extract of the tissues of the... Oh, she's dying. Quickly, my instrument case, come. Oh, I promised her. I must do it, I must. Hurry. She's dying. Oh, nasty hypodermic. 
Oh, my hands to tremble so. Here, I'll help Dr. Muller. Yeah. Now the liquid. You'll see Mr. Cranston so green. I'll let it give this old woman a little more of life. Oh, my hands, they must be sure. No, no. No, she must live. Only a few seconds more until... Uh, there. The needle into her arm. Now she's all. She will not feel pain. Ah, now it is done. Ah, no. No, it will never work. Oh, Mr. Cranston, what have I done? My experiment, foolishness. The reaction of the mice, only the illusions of my own hope. Oh, I should never have done this to the old woman. Her pulse. It's almost gone. Oh, old friend, forgive me. And your death do not hate me. Uh, Dr. Muller, huh? Look, she's not dead. Not dead. Marco's right. She's not dead. Listen to her. Look at her. Her lips, her cheeks. Her skin was old and wrinkled. And now look, the color's coming back into it. Her eyes, they're opening. She seems to be growing younger. Younger? Dr. Muller. I, I feel better. Oh, Dr. Muller. Dr. Marla. Dr. Marla, look at her. She's sitting up in the bed. She's alive, healthy. Mott, it's a miracle. Dr. Marla, oh, I feel as if I'm, I'm younger. Oh, look at my arms. They're warm, alive. My cheeks, I, I feel them round and full, like they were years ago. Why, you've made me young, Dr. Marla. Young, young. days now since I restored that woman to I have conquered age. Conquered age. May I come in, Dr. Marler? My apologies if I frighten you. Who are you? My name is Gorlin. Gorlin? I'm flattered. I see that I'm not entirely unknown. You followed me? I was on the same ship. Oh, but why? Why? I am an old woman. What do you want of me? It is not I. It is the state. They sent you? The state sent me. Your work. It belongs to the state. But I am here in America. I am free. I repeat, your work belongs to the state. What do you want of me? The bottle of liquid. Liquid? I advise you not to be difficult, Dr. Marlowe. The liquid you used on that old lady, Mrs. Cronin. Oh, you heard what I did for her? Yes, I heard of your miracle, Doctor. And now the liquid. Give it to me. Why do you point that gun at me? It is merely to impress upon you to what extent I will go to get the fluid. What good will the liquid do you? Not me. The state. But the solution is not yet perfected. Perfected enough. Our chemists will be able to make huge quantities. What will you do with it? With this in our possession, the state will have an army of men who will be young like gods forever. Soldiers supreme, and I will be their leader. Oh, no. Youth, everlasting youth, an army invincible, an army without end, sweeping the world. But you cannot make men young to kill, make them young to live. My own regiment first, and then, then all the state. Oh, no, no. It cannot do that. My work... It has been to preserve life, not kill and destroy. Oh, give it back to me. The bottle, give it back to me. Ah, stay away. No, you old fool, stay away no, from no, me. No, give back that bottle. No. Ah. What a pity. The great Dr. Anna Mahler. She has committed suicide. <laughs> Thank you.
Dr. Marler. Hmm, strange he doesn't answer. He's always in a laboratory. Dr. Marler. Dr. Marler. Dr. Marler. Dr. Marler, what? Doctor. Doctor. Who did this to you? This is Cranston, Lamont Cranston. Doctor, try and speak. Tell me, who did this to you? Yes, yes, I'm listening. You took it, took liquid. Who took it? Who? Soldiers. Army. New army. Who shot you, Doctor? Gorlin. He followed me across the ocean. He wants the liquid for invincible army. Soldiers. Death. Dr. Marler. You discovered a miracle of life. And he gave you death in exchange for it. Rest well, Dr. Marler. I swear this to you. Before Gorlin can use what he took from you for soldiers, armies, war, he will meet the shadow. Yes, I'm positive. Gorlin. Gorlin. Name's been ringing in my head every minute since the dying Dr. Marla whispered it. Gorlin is someplace in this town. And by all that's holy, I'm going to get him. But you've been trying for hours to locate someone who's heard of him. Oh, Lamont, you've tried everywhere. No one has even heard of him. But he does exist. He killed Dr. Marla. Her own lips said so. Margot, I've got to get my hands on this doctor. I've got to get him on Marlin. It isn't the doctor's murder alone I'm concerned with. I've got to prevent his using that discovery of hers to create huge armies. Armies of old men made young. And young men always young. I've got to prevent that. All well, sounds very noble, doesn't it? Here, yeah, five hours have gone by. But I haven't got the slightest idea who or where the man is. It's... I'll answer it. Hello? Hello, is this Lamont Cranston? Yes, this is Cranston. Well, my name's Tom Brady, Mr. Cranston. I... Don't think you know Yes, me, yes, but... I know who you are, Brady. Foreign correspondent on the examiner. Yeah, that's right. The uh, reason I called you, Cranston, is that I just got down to the paper. They were telling me that you're looking for a man named Gorlin. Is that right? Yes, yes, I am. Do you know him? Well, uh, to tell you the truth, Mr. Cranston, Gorlin isn't exactly the kind of fellow I'd, I'd admit to being my friend. Do you know where to reach him, Brady? No, not exactly, but I saw him coming out of a travel agency about an hour ago. If there's a boat sailing for Europe tonight, Gorlin's on it. He had a handbag in his hand and a going-away look in his eye. Well, is there anything else I can tell you? You've told me plenty. Thanks and good night. Lamont, you found him. Margot, quick. The newspaper. What ships are sailing tonight? There aren't any boats sailing to Europe tonight. Margot, don't talk nonsense. Give me that paper. There must be at least half a dozen boats sailing. Lamont, if you listen to me, you haven't seen tonight's papers, but I have. The shiploaders, they're striking. No ships are sailing. I can't understand it. Well, what Brady said, Gorlin must be trying to skip the country. Oh, Lamont, please don't look like that. You've tried everything. You've done all you can. But that isn't enough, Margot. I've got to get him. 
If he gets to Europe with that bottle of liquid, I fail so completely that any good I might have been able to do in my life up to now is wiped clean off the slate. And I'm not going to fail, Margot. But Gorman can't fail tonight, Lamont. Well, how do I know he isn't going to some other city and sailing from there? Oh, because he'd have no reason to. As far as he's concerned, no one's after him. Oh, stop worrying, Lamont. You've got time yet. There's tomorrow. He can't get away tonight, not unless he hires a plane and flies the ocean. And I don't think he'll do that. Margot, wait a minute. He doesn't have to hire a plane, not a bit of it. What are you talking about? The new giant clipper ship. It's flying to Europe tonight. Quick, Margo, is your car outside? Yes, Lamont. We've got 15 minutes to get to the airport. We can't possibly make it. It's 10 miles. We will make it. We've got to. That murdering Devon Gordon has a rendezvous with a shadow, and I must try and keep it. Lamont, the clipper ship is still here. Let's go, Margo. Come. Hurry, Margo, hurry. We've got to make it, come. How soon is she going? Right away, sir. Margo, what are you going to do? I'm getting on board, Margo. But what if he isn't aboard? There's no time to find out. Have to take a chance. Lamont, the flight to Europe. Hurry up, sir, if you want to make a plane. Got to be done. Goodbye. Wish me luck, Margo. Lamont, Lamont. You just made it, sir. At your service, sir. Is there a passenger on board by the name of Gorlin? Yes, sir. Mr. Gorlin is in cabin three on the corridor to the left, sir. I see. Thank you, Stuart. Hey. Who is it? Who is there? All right, all right, I'm coming. Yes, 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 what do you... Oh. Nobody here. Good rest now. And tomorrow... Where is the liquid, Gorlin? <clears throat> Who said that? Who spoke? Nobody in the cabin. And why did I hear... Where is the liquid? <laughs> Must have thought that myself. The liquid. My suitcase. I'm a thief. If the bottle is broken... <laughs> no, quite safe. Ah, you sound good in my ears. In a few hours... <laughs> in a few hours... What, Gorlin? Why don't you answer? In a few hours, what, Gorlin? Who? Who speaks? I am the shadow. Oh, there's... There's no one in the room. Where? Who? I will you not to see me, Gorlin. Will? Will? There is no will stronger than mine. And yet I see you, Gorlin. But to you I am but a voice. Yes, I... I do hear you. Who are you? The shadow that comes between civilization and those who would destroy. <laughs> You laugh, Gorlin. Yes, I laugh. I laugh. You think I'm afraid of a, a voice? What can a voice do? It has made you reveal the hiding place of the liquid. Oh, you know of that? 
And I know of your bullet that killed Dr. Marla. She was an enemy of the state. No, Gorland. She was a woman who had devoted her life to the good of man. Well, you have talked enough. What do you want? The bottle of liquid in your hand. Well, why don't you take it from me? You will give it to me. Will I? Perhaps you would like this. The bullets in that gun won't help you this time, Gorlin. The room is small. I stand before the door and shoot around the walls. Where would you be then, Shadow? Don't press that trigger, Gorlin. So, you're like other men. You are afraid to die. Poor. The walls of the cabin are thin. Press that trigger and the bullets won't reach me. They'll reach the tanks of gasoline. Oh, yes, that's true. You had forgotten you were 5,000 feet up in the air, hadn't you, Gorlin? And now... Give me the bottle. Uh, how can I fight what I cannot see? Well, I'm a man of the army. I know that sometimes to retreat is as good as to advance. I choose to retreat. Will you join me? What do you mean? Join me. You hear me? Join me. You with your power of hypnosis that hides you from human eyes. I with this elixir of youth. Between us, we can hold Europe and all the world in our hands. Shadow, join me. My answer is... Give me that bottle, Gorlin. It won't do you any good. Why do you say that? Because with the liquid or without, the power of everlasting youth is mine. What do you mean? A few hours before leaving, I had the poor lamented Dr. Marler's discovery analyzed. The ingredients of the liquid were remarkably simple. I could give you the bottle, but the formula remains in my head. So you see, my mysterious friend, you have no choice. You must join me. You are silent, eh? <laughs> so we will drink to the future. The future of might and power and glory. Your glass, Mr. Shadow. I will set it here and, and mine here. All quite friendly. You will find this wine most excellent. And now, my glass. So... Now, lift your glass. We will drink. Still silent. You will not join me. <laughs> you are completely defeated, eh, Shadow? Very well, I... I drink alone. Ah, <laughs> good wine, Shadow. It is a pity you do not drink. The pity is for you, Gorlin. For me? But I drank. But what did you drink? I drank wine. You thought you palmed the little bottle very cleverly, didn't you? I do not know what you're saying. I am saying that as you poured the wine for me, the other liquid joined it in the glass. Dr. Marler's liquid. <laughs> How clever of you to see that. Uh, such a large dose of the rejuvenation liquid. It, it might have been most unfortunate for you. You should be very happy you did not drink. But you drank. Huh? You didn't see my hand reverse the glasses. Reverse? No. No, you lie. Smell the glass you drank from. No, you lie. I did not drink the liquid. Oh, I'll kill you. Where are you? I'll kill you. I'll... Now you know I spoke the truth. Oh, no, I... I am all right. I must be all right. My destiny to, to lead great armies. No. No, you are wrong, Shadow. I suddenly feel stronger. Ha! You see, I am always victorious, Mr. Shadow. We shall see, Gorlin. What's happening to me? My head, it, it suddenly spins. That is the liquid beginning its work. No, no, it can't 
happy. You should see your face, Gorlin. It's growing rounder, younger, no. like that of a young man. No, no, and it will grow even me. younger as the seconds tick by no, until you become no. a 16-year-old, then a small boy, then a baby, no. and finally depart from this earth. Do you hear me, Gorlin? You will vanish from this earth. No, no, you lie. You look about 16 now, Gorlin. I won't die this way. I won't. Don't open that window, you fool. I choose my own death, said I choose my own death. waiting for you to finish the story, Lamont. Wouldn't you rather hear me play, Margot? It's really much more interesting. No, the story first, please. Well, really nothing more to tell. Gorlin was killed when he leaped from the window of the plane. Oh, it must have been a horrible experience, Lamont. But did he really drink the rejuvenation liquid? <laughs> no. However, I did fill his drink with a few drops of this harmless stimulant that I had in vial in my pocket. That exhilarated him, and the power of suggestion did the rest. Then Dr. Marlowe's secret is still safe? Yes, Marlowe. But I destroyed it. You see, there was good and bad in that liquid of youth. Dr. Marlowe wanted to give the world the good. And Gorlin sought to spread its evil. Spread it with an army of deathless soldiers marching like a scourge across the face of the earth. They're both dead now, and their secret has died with them. on a story copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. The Shadow Magazine is now on sale at your local newsstand.
listening to WSHDLP Eastport. You've just heard a 1938 episode of The Shadow, Fountain of Death. Now, stay tuned for a 1939 radio romance by the Screen Guild Theater entitled Accent on Youth. The Gulf Screen Guild Theater. The director of the Gulf Theater and your host, Roger Pryor. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight, your neighborhood good Gulf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies bring you, from New York, one of the grandest casts it's ever been our pleasure to present. Gertrude Lawrence, Herbert Marshall, John Mack Brown, and, of course, the music of Oscar Bradley and his Gulf Orchestra. Everything's excitement here in the Gulf Theater tonight. For immediately after the show, away we go back to Hollywood. In order to bring you such names as Bing Crosby, Norma Shearer, Robert Taylor, and Basil Rathbone. The Gulf Theater, ladies and gentlemen, is the only place where you can meet all your favorite stars. Because the Gulf Theater is the star's own theater. Every cent of the money that would otherwise be paid to them for appearing in the Gulf Theater is used instead to help meet the needs of the Motion Picture Relief Fund and to build a home for the less fortunate members of the industry. And because it is a program with such a swell purpose, stars who ordinarily don't appear on the radio are happy to appear in the Gulf Theater. That's why, for instance, three weeks from today, we have the privilege of bringing you one of America's greatest stars, the little girl everyone loves. On December 24th, Christmas Eve, the Gulf Theater will present for her first time on the air, Miss Shirley Temple. Tonight we present Accent on Youth, a play by Samson Rayfieldson, whose current hit, Skylark, starring Gertrude Lawrence, is now running on Broadway. And may I present our three-star cast, the part of Stephen Gay, a successful New York playwright at the dangerous age of 51, is played by Herbert Marshall. I tell you, I'm worried about this new play of mine. How are audiences going to react to a play in which a 60-year-old actor makes ardent love to a young girl? Got me worried... I'm afraid it won't work. Linda Brown, Stephen Gay's 26-year-old secretary, is in love with Stephen, but he doesn't know it. Linda is played by Gertrude Lawrence. I think it's a beautifully written play. Why shouldn't audiences believe the old man? I think they'll say he's a gloriously courageous character. Dickie Reynolds, a young actor who's been engaged to play the juvenile lead in Stephen Gay's new play, is portrayed by John Mac Brown. I like the part. After all, the public accepts me as romantic. That's just the kind of a part this is. And now in the role of stage manager, I call for lights. Music. The scene is the study of Stephen Gay's apartment overlooking the East River, where we find Stephen excitedly pacing the it's no use, Linda. I'm not going to let Benham produce the play. I'm going away and forget it. My dear girl, you're discharged. With my compliments, my gratitude, my affection. Now, we'll have to give you a nice present. What would you like most in the world? Nothing, thank you. Oh, come, come, Linda. I'm serious. Would you like a car? A trip to South America? Maybe a trousseau? Haven't you a boyfriend? No. Don't be silly. You're a fine-looking girl. You'd make any man a splendid wife. 
Tell you what, write yourself a check for six months' salary. That's it. You retire, too. Take a trip somewhere. Take your mother along. I haven't got a mother. Oh, of course. I forgot. I'm sorry. Well, take a girlfriend along. Two nice young girls. Honolulu, ukuleles, Yellowstone Park, cowboys and Indians. See America first. Or maybe Havana. It's romantic. Will you sign this check now, please, Mr. Gay? Certainly. Say, uh, what is this? $41.65? Today is the fourth day of the week. My salary is 60. Four days make 40. And I paid $1.65 for that parcel post package yesterday. What's the matter, Linda? What have I done? Nothing's the matter. You're angry. No, I'm accurate. You've discharged me, haven't you? Well, I... Yes or no? Why, yes. I've finished your letters, your notes, your telephone calls. You'll find everything filed away. All your manuscripts in order, all the bills for the month are paid. The pencils are sharpened, the typewriter covered, the desk is shut. My working day is over. You owe me $41.65. My dear child. Here's the check. Will you sign it, please? Well, I suppose if you... Well, thank you. Now we're through, aren't we? It looks that way. You're no longer my employer. No. And I'm no longer your secretary. Right. We're two human beings together. Yes, Linda. A man and a woman. A man and a woman. Well, before I say goodbye, I want you to know that I love you. What? I want you to know that the three years and the two months I've spent with you have been the most wonderful, painful, happiest years I've ever had or hoped to have. Linda. You've hardly known I was on earth. But you've given me more than you would have given your wife or any other woman or your friends or your audience. I've had you when you were alone. You've spoiled every man I know for me. You did that the first month. I don't think I'll ever forget a single look of your face, a single word you said. You've done a terrible thing to me. You've opened my heart and my eyes, and you've never touched me. Why, you poor child. It hurt. Every bit of it hurt. You were so beautiful. And if you think I can walk out of this house quietly, that you can smile me away with money and a few new dresses, if you think I can walk out of here without wanting to kill you, without wanting to cut my initials into every day you're going to live. You're crazy. Goodbye. And try to forget me. Hey, Linda, wait. Let me look at you, you strange creature. You lovely creature. Don't go away. Let me look at you some more. <laughs> oh, I'm not patronizing you. I'm... I'm seeing you. You're grand. Oh, if I were only 35 or 40 instead of 51... What do you want of me, Linda? Nothing. That's not true. I know it's not true. What do you want of me, Linda? I don't know. Everything. Anything. Sit down. Why, of course, of course, most natural thing in the world. Where do you live, Linda? West 10th Street. Apartment? Yes. And your parents are dead. You went to college or something, didn't you? Three years. Why, certainly. A girl like that, I come into her life and it happens. Suddenly, like a banquet, she gets Broadway, literature, personalities, and me. Linda, I know you won't believe it, but you'll get over this. Will I? Yes, you will. You're young and you've made yourself ready. The world is full of fascinating people. Far more fascinating than I am. You know that isn't so. Oh, I suppose there's something in what you say. Tell me, am I, um... Physically attractive? Oh, yes. <laughs> Funny, when you get right down, but I can't think offhand, you know, of a man who could make you forget me. I'm beginning to see what a spot you're in. 
I am unique, witty, sensitive, imaginative, worldly, gay, and yet with a feeling for tragedy. And I know myself too well. I mean, I've been around too much to deny that I am charming. You're wonderful. No, I know I am. But Linda, my sweet, I don't love you. I don't love anybody. I know that. You don't have to tell me. I know that. And if I did love you, now, suppose for the sake of argument, I fell in love with you. It would be worse. Picture a man of 51. Why, it's like the situation in my new play. Good Lord, Linda, get your notebook. What? Get your notebook. Yes, sir. Ready? Oh, 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 Linda, this is marvelous. How can I ever repay you? Repay me for what? Do you realize what you've done for me? Angel, you've saved my play. Get this, it's a cinch, Linda. Oh, why didn't I think of it before? She makes love to him. Hmm? Get it? Beautifully simple. She makes love to him. It whitewashes the old boy completely, doesn't it? Yes, I suppose it does. Oh, God bless you, Linda. Happy? Why not? I'm in love with the play all over again, aren't you? I always was. Linda, do you know, you're a very beautiful girl. How did you like the play? I liked it. Looks like Stephen Gay's done it again. I've never seen this Linda Brown in a play before. Who is she? Oh, haven't you heard? No. She used to be Stephen Gay's secretary. Two in the ninth row for the Stephen Gay play. Is it any good? Good. It's been running for five months, and that ain't bad, lady. I have all the faith in the world in you, Linda. I love you, and I believe you love me. But I know too much about life, about women. You might be an angel straight from heaven, but so long as you're young and I'm old... I tell you, there's no substitute for youth. Every night in the play, Dickie Reynolds takes him in his arms. Every night, in words that I wrote, his youth calls to you. Every night. And two matinees a week. Oh, you're jealous. Dying of it. Big pardon, Mr. Gay. Yes, Largo. Mr. Richard Reynolds to see you, sir. Do you want to see him or do you want to run along, Linda? Of course I want to see him. Hello, Mr. Gay. Hello, Linda. Uh, how are you? Hello, Dickie. Sit down. Thanks. Excuse me, Mr. Gay. Uh, Mr. Benham on the phone. Oh, I'll take it in the other room. Excuse me, Dickie. Be right back, Linda. Entertain Dickie like a nice girl. Linda, I've got to talk to you. Dickie, what's the matter with you? You. I'm quitting the show on account of you. Don't, don't look at me like that. That's the way you've been looking at me for six months, as if I was a wallpaper on the wall. I'm sorry, Dickie, but... It drove me crazy. I had to see you. I, I couldn't stand it any longer. Dickie, you, you poor boy. What have I done to you? Nothing. Oh, I love you so much I can't see straight, that's all. There. Now you know. Dickie. Why, um... Where is Dickie, Linda? Well, he... He wanted to go, so I didn't stop him. Then I'm book the show through to the coast next season. Stephen. Stephen, will, will you marry me? Will you stick to the subject? Did you hear what I said about Benham? Kiss me, Stephen. You do love me, don't you? I'd like to see anyone try to stop me. You make me very happy. Will you marry me? I'm weakening. Oh, darling. Darling. What are you crying about? Let's get married right away. All right. You know I've always wanted to, don't you? Have you? 
I only hesitated because of... I wasn't really sure you loved me. But now you are, aren't you? Somehow I am. Let's go up to Greenwich tomorrow morning. Done. It's a date. So the curtain here in the Gulf Theater falls on the first act of Accent on Youth. And now it's time for the curtain to rise on act two of our play Accent on Youth, starring Gertrude Lawrence, Herbert Marshall, and John Mack Brown. So we call for lights. Music. Curtain. It's the morning of the day Linda and Stephen planned to elope to Greenwich. Dickie Reynolds, obviously upset, has come to call on Stephen Gay. I thought I'd drop in to see you. Something special? Is Linda here, Mr. Gay? She'll be here soon. I, I've got to see her. You know where she lives? I tried to see her all afternoon. She wasn't at home to me. I called her eight times, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't talk to me. She's mad at me for quitting the show. What do you want to see her about? Oh, good Lord, Mr. Gay. Can't you see I'm in love with the girl? So that's why you're quitting the show? Sure. That's why I quit. I couldn't stand holding her in my arms every night and her acting like I wasn't on earth. Every time I came near to her to, to tell her, I, I couldn't. But yesterday you could. What did you tell her? What I'm telling you. Oh, what did she say? I, I didn't wait to find out. I lost my nerve. I, I bolted. Why didn't you stay? You fool. She'd have jumped into your arms. Oh, gee, do you really think so? No. No, you're wrong. What's the matter with me, Mr. Gay? You know me. You're a man of the world. You've lived. Why, why you're old enough to be my father. What? Uh, tell me, what's the matter with me? Nothing's the matter with you. You've got everything. Youth and everything. Oh, if if you, you want her, go after her. If it were any other girl, I... Oh, I never had trouble like this before, Mr. Gay. Well, go on. What do you want? Let me stay and see her. I'll shoot the works the first chance I get. Every man has a right to one break anyway if he's in love with a woman. For a man, and I'm a man. And she doesn't mean anything to you? Or does she? Not the thing. Uh, then you'll help me? Help you? I'll give her to you. You want your break? Well, I'll hand it to you on a silver platter. She's due here in a few minutes. I'll be gone and she'll find you. You should be able to get your message over in an hour and a half, don't you think? I'll try. Well, stage is yours. Uh, Mr. Gay, uh, how will I... Well, what will I say to her? What will you say to her? What do you expect me to do? Write your love scene for you, too? Well, Romeo, you're out of luck. Goodbye. Okay, Mr. Gay. Look here, what, um... What did you say to her yesterday? Oh, I don't remember. Well, for instance, did you say those classic words, I love you? I said, I love you so much I can't see straight. Not bad. Oh, honestly? What did uh, she say? Uh... Said, oh, no, never mind. Don't tell me. Well, do you think if I said the same thing to her... No, that's only good the first time. Jeez, this thing is getting me. I could write that scene for you so you couldn't miss. If in her heart she really cares about you. Oh, gee, Mr. Gay, would you? Nothing like it has ever been done before. Of course, there was Serrano, but this is different. Let's see now. You're sitting here. She comes in. At first, she doesn't see you. What's the matter with me? Am I going insane? The devil with you. Oh, Mr. Gay, if you've really got an idea... Don't interrupt. I'd be the sap of the world to do it. Still, if Sheridan were in a spot like this, or Shakespeare, they'd go through with it. 
Well, Dickie, you win. Let's shoot the works. Will all of us shoot the works? Now listen carefully. I'm sitting here. Doesn't matter where you sit. When Linda comes in, you tell her that you're sailing for Europe tonight. Tell her you're all packed. You're going because of her, whether she likes it or not. She has changed your whole life. She's made life more beautiful, more exciting, more painful. Be sure you get that in. More beautiful, more exciting, more painful. All right. There's nothing as dull as just, I love you. Now, this is a goodbye scene. That's what makes it strong. You're going away forever. You're never going to see her again. All because of her. She's never going to see you again. Say, that's swear. Now, carry that goodbye scene right up to the door. She'll come to you. You start out of the door, then you turn, ask her to kiss you goodbye. Do you think you could do that? I know I can. All right. The rest is up to you. Well, suppose... Suppose she won't kiss me. She will. It's a goodbye scene. Anyone... I mean, any woman would. And after that, it's up to the actors, not the playwright. The moment has been created. You'll find out all you need to know. We'll all find out. Gee, Mr. Gay, you're brilliant. There she is now. I'll go out the side way and leave the stage to you. Stephen! Oh, Stephen! More beautiful, more exciting. More... Stephen! Oh, hello, Dickie. Where's Mr. Gay? Well, he went out. He said... Well, when will he be back? Oh, not for an hour and a half. What are you doing here? I... I can't... Linda, I've got something to say. I don't want to hear a word you have to say. I don't want to see you. I don't want to be in the same room with you. Either you go or I go. I'll go. But before I go, I want to tell you and where... Go away as far as you possibly can. Nothing would please me better than to know that you were in China or Africa... All right. ...or Siberia or Timbuktu. Shut up! What? Now, now you listen to me. Let go of my arm. You're hurting me. Oh, I've been me. wanting to kiss you for months. Dickie, let so me go. Let me I go, go, I tell you. I love you. What's the matter with you, Dickie? Are you crazy? I love you. I hate you. Oh, how I hate you. Linda. I... I... I love you. Oh, my darling. My own... Oh, Dickie, I love you, too. I beg your pardon, Mr. Gay, but did you read the item that Benham may do a revival of your last play? Don't believe everything you read, Flogdo. My last play died and was buried five months ago. Let it rest in peace. Time does fly, doesn't it, sir? Do you suppose Miss Linda married Mr. Reynolds? Take me back. That Dickie Reynolds, you don't know what I've been through in the last five months. What do you think I've been through? No matter what I've done to you, I've paid for it. I led a life of torture, become a nightmare. You're the only one who can save me. Don't you love him anymore? I can't stand him. Last May, you told me you loved him. I thought I did. It all happened so quickly. How could I tell? You were so mean about everything. I hated you. I, I could have loved him. I wanted to. I tried. And then we went out to visit his people in Santa Barbara. His mother insisted on a long engagement. Oh, I never want to go through anything like it again. Stephen, why didn't you tell me what a dreadful thing youth was? Why didn't somebody tell me? What um, happened in Santa Barbara? Well, here's a typical day. Out of bed at 7 a.m., not p.m. Three hasty kisses, and then we play tennis. What do I know about tennis? Then sweating and limp, a shower, two hasty kisses, and swimming while I sit on the beach and burn. Mm-hmm. Stephen, did you ever see the rich men's sons in their bathing suits waiting for the depression to pass? They're broad-shouldered, handsome, tan. Every one of them was once an all-American something. And ten feet away, you can't tell one from the other. 
And you couldn't tell Dickie from any of them. No, I suppose you couldn't. Then he gets a rub down and it's time for lunch. Oh, Stephen, after sitting with a clean-cut outdoors man and watching him eat vitamins, starches, and spinach, you and your pills are a midsummer night's dream. Then at night, the house is quiet. Suddenly, the lights blaze on again, and there are weird thumpings, and the walls shake. Why? It seems that somewhere during the day, he's missed out on a couple of muscles. Only a couple? Yes. Then we went to Connecticut. Fox hunting, golf, polo. Five months of it. Stephen, five months without nightlife, without the theater, without glasses of beer. Five months without pounding the table because somebody has got something crazy and beautiful and passionate to say to somebody else. Without smoke and poetry and laughter and bad ventilation. Without dialogue. Without you, Stephen. Where, where's Dickie? I don't care. I love you more than ever. I know I've hurt you, Stephen, frightfully, but I'll make it up to you. It's October the 9th, our anniversary. I had to come back to you. It's been a wonderful and a terrible time for both of us. Now we're ready for each other. I'm sorry, Linda, but I would like it very much if I never saw you anymore or heard from you or anything. You really mean that? I do. Stephen. Yes? Stephen, when I came in, I thought I wanted you. And I thought you would have to want me if I wanted you. I thought to myself as I was walking around and around the block, in another five years, he'll be almost 60 and interested in bigger things than love. And I'll be 30, which nowadays is very young. And then we'll be really through with each other. And by that time, somebody else will probably fall in love with me whom I'll be able to endure. Because although I'm not a garbo, People do seem to be falling in love with me recently. They do? Yes, there were two up in Connecticut. You see, Stephen, I've become quite mature and realistic, don't you think? Not the romantic girl who once thought life was aflame just because you lived and breathed. And to tell the truth, I even thought so when I was walking around the block. But you must agree I'm being very sensible now. You are, Linda, very sensible. Goodbye, Stephen. By the way... What did Dickie say to you when he proposed? I love you. That's what he said. Is that all he said? That's all. You're sure Dickie didn't say anything else? Well, he said it more than once. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh, good Lord, you mustn't go now, Linda. I need you. I need you and a pencil and a notebook. But, Steve... Oh, you've just given me the most exquisitely lyrical, doggone idea for a play anybody ever had since time began. You ready? Ready? Don't just stand there. Clear off your desk. Here it is, October. And we've got to open before the holidays. Did you say we, Stephen? Call Benham tomorrow and say we'll have a rough draft to show in two weeks. That means we'll have to work till all hours. Ready? Yes, Stephen. Act one, scene one. Act one, scene one. A bedroom. A castle in Spain. A bedroom, a castle in Spain. No. A penthouse apartment, New York. A penthouse apartment, New York. First speech... Linda, I love you. Is the heroine's name going to be Linda? Always, Linda. Thank you, Gertrude Lawrence, John Mac Brown, and Herbert Marshall. 
You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We just heard a 1939 radio romance entitled Accent on Youth, mounted by the Screen Guild Theater. Make an old man young again. 
So I'm taking lessons twice a day to keep my hair from turning gray. She ties my tie and she shines my shoes and she sings me the old age pension blues. And for our bonus set today, Duke Ellington's 1935 Accent on Youth, followed by the Old Age Pension Blues, featuring the Shelton brothers, Bob and Joe. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week! for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4, right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music, uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. Your kids can ask your parents what that means. Mad Pad Mad Pad Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine 93.3 on your FM dial
dig this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. are listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you missed the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. Hi, this is Craig Williams. I've been collecting music first on 45s, then LPs, cassettes, CDs, and digital files for over 40 years. From the obscure to the sublime and the familiar to the mundane, it's pretty much all pop music of just about any era or genre. And I call sharing it with you unabashedly playing favorites. Please tune in every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on WSHD LP Eastport 93.3 FM. 